We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 56 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Mary Samara Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Patreon supporters. Thank you. My name is Bethany. I'm your host. And today's special guest is Ruth. Hi, guys. Hi. Spoiler queen. Spoiler queen Ruth. If you are a Patreon member, you'll know that she um, (laughs) is on the blooper episodes a lot because she likes to give away spoilers that I end up having to cut from the episodes. I can't help it. (laughs) I will say, though, that I really do try to not give spoilers, but also apparently... I for I forget that a lot of things are spoilers. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's hard not to talk about spoilers. Today we're gonna talk about chapter 43 real quick. This episode comes out, you know, in a couple of weeks, but today is actually June 10th. I'm hoping when this episode comes out, the world is a little brighter, but just in case. But I want to give some information. I know that everything right now is going on very politically. I hope that everyone is staying safe. The podcast page, I've been trying to use the Instagram page to share articles and literature that might be helpful. And I have a list of organizations you can look into if you want to help. NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. The National Police Accountability Project is a really good one that I think needs to get some more Traction Communities United for Police Reform. There's quite a few of these. I'm just going to list them off real quick. Communities United Against Police Brutality, Black Lives Matter, The Global Network, Justice for Breonna Taylor, Gianna Floyd, Tony McCade, I Run With Maude, and George Floyd Memorial Fund. There's also quite a few for the Black Lives Matter LGBTQ, Transgender Law Center, Black LGBTQIA, Homeless Black Trans Women Fund, Emergency Release Fund, Black AIDS Institute, House of GG, and the Transgender District. That's just some organizations you guys can go to to look at some resources that might be helpful in this time if you want to donate your time, your energy, if you have money. Even just sharing it to your social media platforms is helpful. And of course, like I said, myself, I've been trying to share a lot of literature and resources on the Instagram. You can also follow the Black Lives Matter page. Marissa Meyer shared an organization on her page, campaignzero.org. And Channery's Little Devil has actually redone her entire Instagram page to fully support the Black Lives Matter movement. So you can check out her Instagram page for quite a bit of information as well. And try to stay safe and just be kind. Um, Today, we're going to talk about Scarlet Chapter 43. But first, just a reminder that there is now... Prince Kai Fan Pod merchandise is now available. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so you can buy a Don't Get Glamoured red hoodie. You can buy a logo red hoodie, t-shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, pillows. My mom bought a pillow. <laughs> Tank tops, books. There's notebooks, phone cases like the one I got. 
Um, so you can check that out. There's a link in the bio on Instagram and Facebook and, of course, on the websites. And uh, now, Fan Art Friday. Woo! I feel like that was a lot of housekeeping before we even got to Fan Art Friday. <laughs> I'm over here trying to get the cat to not... I almost um, forgot. We have to we have to introduce oh, the yeah. cat. So today's <laughs> special guest will also feature Baby Kitten Church. Um, I say that because he might meow a lot, and it's hard to cut it out. There you go. <laughs> he kind of did a like a little <laughs> tiny baby one. He was yeah. kind of in my arm at the time, so he was like. I'm happy. I don't need a meow. Yes. So Ruth <laughs> adopted a beautiful gray baby kitten this week named Church. I will post pictures. Yay. When Fan Art Friday gets posted, I will post pictures. Good. And Fan Art Friday is actually going to have two posts this week, but I will explain that later. So first one we're going to talk about is from June 19th. It is by Queen Lynn Sender on Instagram. It is Emperor Kaito. It's two images. So it's one of him in his imperial dress and one of him. Thank you, church. And one of him in his gray hoodie. And it says, I don't see that her being cyborg is relevant. Possibly one of the greatest quotes in the series. Honestly, it really is. Mm -hmm. It's up there with a couple of other ones that I'm not going to spoil. You can't. You can't spoil. It's not okay. <laughs> I was going to say what I was, what, what my favorite quotes were, but I didn't. Yes. Cause you don't like, want to make more editing for Bethany. No. Because I'm <laughs> not a mean person. <laughs> so I actually really like this art. First of all, I love that the background, if you look at the background, there's a crown, there's a galaxy, there's constellations and there's stars. That is a lot going on in the background. That is so cool. Yeah. And the way that she layered it all, it doesn't look like too much. It looks perfect. It, it, yeah. it looks like it's actually like a stock image that she put the stuff over. That's how like well done it looks. It's wonderful. I love the representation of Kai too, because I love that even as when he's in his emperor dress, his hair is kind of messy and he looks really, his facial expression, he looks kind of nervous. But then like when he's in his hoodie, he looks really calm, kind of laid back, just chill. Yeah. It's funny because his, I, I, and I know it's probably just the way that she drew it, but it's almost funny to me that um, in his cutout where he's in his hoodie, he almost looks like he's more put together because his hair looks like it's kind of combed emperor. He's not, he's kind of like all messy. And that just kind of like puts me in the perspective of like, maybe like later, like he is kind of in this chapter where he's just kind of like bedraggled. Like he's still in like his, his emperor clothes, but like he hasn't slept and he's tired and he just and kind of is there. He also has a habit of, like, gripping his hands and his hair when he's frustrated. So maybe it's, yeah. maybe his hair got tousled when he was doing that. But this was great. Thank you. It's from Queenland Center on Instagram. Go check it out. Last week, patron members voted for chapter titles. Chapter 41 is titled Way Down We Go by Kaleo. And chapter 42 is titled Control by Halsey. And let's get into it. 
fair warning, everyone. There will be a lot of reading today. There's a reason Chapter 43 has its own episode and doesn't have to share with anyone. <laughs> Some chapters, there's just too much to do more than one episode or more than one chapter per episode. So last week we left off with Cinder, Thorn, Ico, Scarlet, and Wolf escaping after the attacks in Paris. Now we're back with Kai. The last time we saw him, he was with Audrey and Pearl and learning about Cinder on the quarantine footage and sending troops after her to track Peony's ID chip. So it's, it's been a little while since we've seen him. Yeah, in reader time. It's probably only been like 12 to 14 hours, really. I don't even think it's been that long, yeah. I'm, I was going to say six, but I was like, no, I think it's been more than six. But, I mean, it's... Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Kai is, uh, he's in his office, he's sweating, he's nauseous, his eyes are burning, he can't, but he can't look away from the screens because he's watching the attacks on the vidlink. And it's all, all the attacks are too gruesome and too fantastical. There's an image of the market square in New Beijing that's being attacked, which reminds him of Cinder's booth. There's bodies and blood everywhere in the market square. And there was only one attacker. Then he sees images of a hotel in Tokyo with a man with crazed eyes. And he's, he can't do it anymore. He says, turn it off. I can't take it anymore. And then he turns and he says, where are the police? One of the first things that I put in my notes is actually about the technology. Um, and I know that we've talked about this in past episodes, but I just feel like we probably mentioned it a lot. But what I wrote was I'm not sure if we mention it enough, but like the fact that she like used references from I mean, this is 2013 that she wrote this book this is seven years ago. So we didn't even have some of the technology that we do now, but it just seems like it's so much more like it's becoming a reality, some of the technology that we have. But even, like, here, like, it's just, it's so, everything is so awesome. I mean, it, like, maglev trains, like, basically, they're trains that levitate. Like, um, the port screens, the vid links. I mean, it just kind of feels, like, surreal, but also, like, cool and not so far, like, in our future that it's, like, attainable. Based on what, like, we had, we have talked about in the past and, like, the things that have been mentioned about the other types of technology there are, I just use the examples um, from other parts of the book. Right. I know we probably talk about it a lot because now that I'm, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I know that we talked about it on the last episode that I was on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Kai is asking where the police are. And Torin says they're doing their best. Torin says they're doing their best to stop the attacks, your majesty. But it takes time to mobilize them and make an organized attempt to fight back. This attack was unprecedented. So abnormal. These men move fast, rarely stay on a single block for more than a few minutes. Just enough time to kill anyone within reach before moving to another area of the city. So we can only assume that these men are more of the lunar operatives discussed in the last few chapters. But even Torin seems a little uncomfortable with everything. Like even he's having trouble keeping his composure watching these 
gruesome global attacks that the world is dealing with. And I want to point out a sentence that stuck out to me. Noise buzzed in the room. Six news anchors reporting the same stories. Sudden attacks, murderous psychopaths, monsters, unknown fatalities, planet-wide mayhem. So this is a global attack. This is literally the entire world is being attacked. Right. And this is the first time that we're hearing that it's actually a global attack. Mm -hmm. Well, no. Well, oh, yeah, I take that back. Iko said when when Thorn and Cinder got back to the Rampian, when they were running away from the Rue Tavern, Iko said it's the entire world. Yeah, but I mean, we don't know um, on some level, like, it's a global attack, but what does global mean? And we kind of get, like, more detail going forward, but we don't, like, like, we don't know exactly what that all um what Ico specifically means because that's like the cliffhanger at the end of the chapter. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to find the page so I can figure out exactly. It's chapter 37. It's chapter 37. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about it all over the news and this is page 368. I'm sorry. They're talking about it all over the news feeds. It's not just in France. It's happening all over the world, every country in the union. And then she literally says earth is under attack. So let's talk about who got attacked. Four cities in the Eastern Commonwealth. And this is where the second fan art comes into play. I'm actually going to share another fan art today. I used the Earthen Union map that Marissa Meyer created, and I put little red dots on all the places that were attacked. Yes, it was very time-consuming, but I think (laughs) it's worth it (laughs) if you get to see the whole picture. So what was attacked in Eastern Commonwealth was New Beijing, Mumbai, Tokyo, and Manila. So actually a pretty large portion of what we would now consider China and the greater region of Asia was not attacked at all. Right. And then other attacks across the world, Mexico City and New York were the only attacks on the Northern Hemisphere. Canada didn't get touched at all. Or what we would now call Canada. Sao Paulo was the only place on the South American continent that got attacked. Cairo and Lagos were the only places on the African continent that got attacked. And Sydney, Australia was the only Australian area that got attacked. So everything else was Eastern Commonwealth and Europe. So in Europe, the places that were attacked was London, Moscow, Paris, and Istanbul. So the majority of the attacks were in the Eastern Commonwealth and Europe. Yeah, and and I think um, trying to, like, figure out why she picked those cities, I mean, those are, like, major, even now, I mean, if you were to, like, look in, um, you know, like, a situation room or something where they have all the different time zones, they're typically going to be those bigger city, bigger cities, well-known cities. Um, they have a lot of those cities that we just mentioned in like on the time zones when they talk about like which cities are the biggest ones that are typically um like under attack for terrorist attacks and all that kind of stuff or if you watch any kind of um dramas that depict that um 
most of these cities are included in the, that list. On yeah. Some and so what I will also say is that one of the major cities or areas that, that is mentioned and should be is um, Moscow. And so this is the reason I'm going to point these out. The United States, France, Russia, and the United Kingdom, India, Pakistan, North Korea, Belgium, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Turkey. Those areas currently today, June 10th, 2020, in the United in the world that we live in, have have nuclear weaponry. Yeah. So it would make sense to me that they would be targeted. Now, also currently today, the highest populated areas, China's number one, then India, the United States, Indonesia, and Pakistan. Those are the five most populated countries in the world. Six is Nigeria, seven is Brazil, eight is Bangladesh, nine is Russia, and 10 is Mexico. And that's from the uscensus.gov if you want to look up that information. So a lot of this makes perfect sense to me. I will say it's interesting to me that Canada itself was not attacked in any way. I will say that I, I know that it's like some, I'm sure Becca the librarian is listening and she'd be happy to correct me, but I think it's some <laughs> like 47% of Canada is you can't live there because it's just too cold. Yeah. If you're looking at this map, you can kind of tell because most of Canada is either above the uh, northern equinox or right. it's in the North Pole. Because it's literally right next to Iceland. Or no, Greenland. 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 I'm, I'm looking at a website right now called um, Canadian.gov slash information. <laughs> it's pretty basic. <laughs> uh, and it says 76% of Canada is too cold to be, inha- to be inhabited. So, uh, and very much the same way with Russia. If you look at a map of Russia, a great deal of it is it's just too damn cold. You can't live there. So yeah. it, it makes sense to me that those, that those areas wouldn't be attacked, but I do think it is worth mentioning. Now, also this universe is a couple hundred years in the future. So it's possible that climate changes have been affected, pollution Populations definitely have been affected. I mean, we know that they've gone through not only a World War III, but they've gone through a a nuclear World War IV. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, just just in the chapters when Scarlet and Wolf get to Paris, we, we see how much devastation there is in just Paris alone. Uh, we don't get to like talk about it m- much about what is New Beijing, but part of me wonders: is New Beijing a completely new city, or and it and it's just the new capital, and so that's why it's New Beijing? Um, and if so, what is what happened to old Beijing? <laughs> right. To and- make them move cities, basically. And Becca and I talked about that way back in episode one about, you know, is it a colonized city and it's called New Beijing the way that, you know, New York was named after York? Is it, you know, the way that New Amsterdam was rebuilt? Did it did something happen to it and they had to rebuild? Um, There's not really a lot of information as to why it's called New Beijing instead of Beijing. 
But I think we can draw one or two conclusions. I, I would venture to say it's probably in the same location. And most likely they built it on the rubble after World War Four ended. And that's why it's called that. I would also say I'm I'm trying to remember where and when, but I feel like at some point during Cinder, we talked about how the population of Earth in this time frame is much smaller than what it is right now. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's even if you even if because um, I can't remember, even if it was talked about that Marissa has stated that that's the reason that she made the countries the way that they are because she knew that she was going to have these world wars that kind of propel us into this time frame that, you know, would need where we would need to make the country definition larger because we had less population inhabiting all of those areas. Absolutely. What I also find is interesting looking at your map, um, and, I mean, Russia is one of the countries in the world, um, other than China, that is so massively large on, mm-hmm. like, a scale that, like, sometimes we don't even think about, like, yeah, the U.S. is big, yeah, Canada is big, but, like, Russia, I mean, if you look at a map today, I mean, what I'm looking at of your fan art that you created, um, well, actually, Marissa Meyer created this. Oh, okay. I'm this is a, a this is a Marissa Meyer creation. Okay, sorry. Um, the uh, I mean, most of what is blue for the European Federation is um, there's a big chunk of it that's um, smaller countries, but mm-hmm. most of it is Russia. There's some and that's- of Russia. And then a large chunk of it that's all Eastern Commonwealth, which is technically also would have been Russia. Right. Um, and what and what this picture shows is our, our current world map individualized with countries and regions and markers. And what she did was she colored in um, her representation of those different regions. And so if you are interested it's a bit of a misconception here in the United States, but in terms of land mass, the largest countries is Russia's first, then Canada, then China, and then the U.S. Russia actually takes up 11% of the world uh, land mass. That's pretty big. Is, yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. And we don't need to spend too much more time on this. We've been talking about the map for like 20 minutes. But I just, when I was reading it, I found myself wanting a visual. So I thought I'd create one for all of you. You made a map and I like wrote everything out um, because I was like, all right, I got to figure this out. Like how many, how many cities and blah, blah, blah. And there were this many, this. And (laughs) I did the math on all of it. So there were about three to 400 men doing the attacks. And there was about 10,000 people dead in a matter of about two hours, which is about 25 murders per attacker. So that's pretty devastating. In two of the attack cities, visitors claimed they'd seen a royal thaumaturge in their midst. So Kai calls them the thaumaturges the queen's most prized minions, which I thought was interesting. 
they're the ones leading the attack. They're orchestrating the attacks, but they themselves are removed from the bloodshed. And Kai comes to this realization, this is all his fault. It was because of him. Well, him and Cinder. Right. And then I like how all of a sudden we just start to hear the other leaders' voices. And it's like, oh, we didn't realize he was in the middle of a conference. When yeah. Well, he forgot he was a co- in a conference, too. The first person <laughs> to speak is Queen Camilla of the United Kingdom. This is war. She's declared war on us. Ah, uh, yeah, duh. But it's okay, Camilla. <laughs> this is an egg hatch. Lavana threatened war. She was not bluffing. This is pretty big warfare on her part. The African prime minister also jumps in. He says, 15 years of the plague, and now this, and for what? Lavana is upset that a single prisoner got away? A mere girl? No. She's using it as an excuse. She means to make a mockery of us. Then the USA chimes in. They're evacuating all major cities to try and staunch the bleeding. I want to point this out. The only reason, and I'm not doing this as like a woohoo American thing. I just want to point it out that Kai... Kai can't even bring himself to watch it on TV. He's so disturbed. Torin is the same way. Uh, the the UK leader, Camilla, is just like, oh, my God, this is war. What do we do? The African prime minister is like, what the f-? And the U.S. president gets on and he's like, well, this is what I already started doing. But yeah. he's the only one who seems to have, like, already jumped into action. Right? Yeah. Or at least the only and- one who's... At least the only one who's shared that information in this uh, conference. Right. And and I actually have notes that um, the literally like two sentences later, because um, he says uh, to staunch the bleeding and then it's another sentence. And then I wrote this quote out because I now it's not, it's not the quote that like I chose for the chapter, but um, I, I just put that it's a sign of a true leader, the way that Kai reacts, I feel like. Um, Kai's chin fell onto his chest, defeated. He was tempted to cover his ears and not listen. He didn't want to hear any more, but he braced himself instead. Mm-hmm. So even though, like, it's all devastating and it's horrible and everything that's going on makes him want to turn away and be like, no, I don't want to hear any more. I just... I just want to be like in a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, he knows like I'm the leader. I have to like buck lead. up, Buttercup. I have to lead. Yeah. And he's like, all right. He doesn't say that, but he's kind of like he's kind of braced himself. He's like, all right, give it to me, whatever it is. Can't make it any worse. It already is. Yeah. So this is what they give to him. Prime Minister Bromstad of, of the European Federation reveals that a small farm town was also attacked. In addition to Paris, Moscow, and Istanbul, we've had one small town attacked as well. Rieu, a farming community in southern France, population 3,800. So, a couple things to point out there. Many, many moons ago, when Becca was still on the show, she and I went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out where this this Ryu was located. I also went down a rabbit hole and I wrote them all out. <laughs> well, 
So what I was going to say is that in that episode, we talked about there is actually a town in France called Rieux. However, it is in northern France, so it is not this one. You said you wrote it all out? Yeah, so actually, I like, I like when I say I went down a rabbit hole, I probably spent at least half an hour, like, looking through all of this and trying to figure it out, like, where Ryu was. And what I found out is that actually um, that Ryu is used as, like, kind of like a placeholder. And um, there are about seven or eight cities or towns um, in France um, that are named Ryu, but then they have... um, all of them have a different um, pre or suffix on them, mm-hmm. um, and so there's the so there's um, there's like seven or eight total, but um, there are one, two, three. I found four. I literally like this is how crazy I went. I went into Google Maps and typed in the names of all of these, and then their distance from Toulouse. Uh, and then their distance from Paris. Okay. Because I was like, because we know at the beginning that they say that it's at least a couple hours hover ride from Rio to Toulouse. And yes. then, and then it's all, and then it's like a 12 hour, eight, eight to 12 hour train ride from Toulouse to Paris. So it had to be pretty southern in pretty much pretty a a pretty southern region of france in order for that to work and there must have missed uh all the episodes we spent hours discussing this stuff on (laughs) i i think i think i did um but (laughs) like you know we'll just revisit it it's been 20 episodes right Uh, What I would like to reveal before we continue down this rabbit hole (laughs) is that I found an interview with Marissa and the town of Rieu is actually based on a real town called Rieu Valverse. It is in Southern France. That's one of the ones I wrote down. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So it was actually a suggestion from Marissa Meyer's French editor. So from there to Paris is a seven and a half hour drive. And from there to Toulouse is a 45-minute drive, so much closer than Becca and I had originally speculated a million years ago. I know that they took a hover from the farm to Toulouse, and she said when they paid at the hover that it basically drained her account. So it was still, it was a long enough drive that it was would have been a lot of money, but not enough that she wouldn't have been able to afford a train ticket after that to well it didn't it didn't say that it drained her account it said that it took all the money she had just gotten from Gilles for her drop-off so that's what she's saying is it's basically the equivalent of what she was paid for her farm vegetables that morning so the UK says why would they attack such a small town and Australia has a theory that it's to confuse them so that the attacks are nonsensical. They could happen anywhere, anytime to instill fear, panic and paranoia, basically. And this is when Chairman Hugh Burson, without knocking and <laughs> I has to be like, oh, I got to go. So oh, I wrote in my notes, I said, come on, Huey, for like 
bursting into the office like you're interrupting an important thing but then but then it's like oh it's about cinder peace out gotta end the conference this is more more important (laughs) well it says kai jumped for a moment thinking that the chairman was a lunatic come to kill him because he's so (laughs) on edge from watching these attacks but he says to hugh any news and hugh says lynn cinder has been spotted and camilla's head swivels she's like what who is that speaking? What about Lynn Cinder? And this is where Kai basically is like, gotta go. I must tend to other matters in conference. Click. So Kai yeah. hangs up. I just love that Camilla's like, what the f- answer all my questions? And Kai is like, bye. Yeah, that's, that's why I wrote it the way that I did. It's literally like, come on, Huey, busting in and announced. Oh, it's about Cinder and conference. <laughs> But Cinder is a very big deal. Three officers found her in southern France, and Torin looks worried, but Kai goes, let me guess, was it a town called Rue? Uh, <laughs> it was, in fact. <laughs> it is the only non-major city to be attacked. So I'm really glad Kai hung up, because, yes, the Earthen leaders need to know what's going on, but they don't need to witness Kai coming to the conclusions that he does in this chapter. So let's talk about that. Torin says, well, at least we know they're not attacking at random. Kai says, but how did they find her? Her sister's ID chip was our only lead. How else could she be? Of course. Of course she knew about the chip. I'm such an idiot. Your Majesty, don't say this is paranoia. She is listening. I don't know how she does it, but she is spying on us. This very office is probably bugged. That's how she knew about the chip. That's how she knew why my office was open and she could barge in here unannounced. That's how she knew my father died. And for once, Torin does not call Kai paranoid or obsessed with conspiracy theories. Torin almost looks slightly convinced that Kai is on to something. Torin's expression darkened. But for once, he made no snide comment about Kai and his ridiculous theories. Maybe they're not so ridiculous. Yeah. And and I really love that it's like Torin is like almost torn to say something because his <laughs> expression darkens. But he doesn't say anything. And it's like, well, um, maybe you're right. But also... Uh, I don't want to just come out and say, oh, you're right, Kai. (laughs) I wonder if his expression darkens because part of him is wondering if he's been underestimating Lavana this whole time. I I wonder if part of Torin is like, oh, my God, was Kai right? Is she listening? Yeah. Yeah. But we don't we don't know. Kai is like, whatever. All right. So you finally found her. And I felt a little disney cartoon cinderella vibe here because he says i'm so sorry your majesty unfortunately she got away and so i thought of the part in the disney cinderella when the guy is like when the duke is talking he's like she got away yeah and he he probably fumbles with his eyeglass a little bit (laughs) so now we have an egg hatch they found peony's id chip in a field once they continued to track her they ended up finding it in a field So, and all three officers that were in Ryu were murdered. They were killed in the attacks. So here's where Kai kind of loses his a little bit. 
And he starts screaming into the unknown as if Lavana is listening. <laughs> and it makes him look super crazy. I feel like he kind of deserves it. He's been having a, a more than a couple rough days. He hasn't slept in 48 hours. Actually, it's been more than 48 hours at this point. He's barely eaten or drank anything in the last 48 hours. And the world is literally falling apart. And every time he thinks he has a moment to sit down, more happens. So what happens now is he starts yelling and he goes, well, see that your majesty, if it wasn't for your attack, we would have had her. I hope you're pleased with yourself. (laughs) And then, and then I love that he's like huffing. He crosses his arms over his chest and waiting for his blood pressure to drop again. (laughs) Enough of this. Call off the search. And then Torrin, your majesty. Yeah, call it off. Kai's out. <laughs> I'm calling her bluff. I'm calling her out on her sh- Nope. <laughs> yep. He says, I want all military units and enforcement officers focused on finding the men who are attacking us and putting an end to that. That's our new priority, which I think Torrin would be proud. That's a very diplomatic response to the situation. Right. Um so Hugh bows, he leaves, he goes to take care of that. Torin is like, uh, well, this is great. How do you think Lavana's going to react? So this is what Torin says. I told you guys there'd be a lot of reading this chapter. <laughs> While I don't disagree with this course of action, we have to consider how Lavana will react. We should consider the possibility that this attack, awful as it is, is only an annoyance compared to what she is truly capable of. Perhaps we should attempt to placate her before she can do any further damage. He hasn't forgotten about the pictures that the United States shared. I keep saying USA and they call it the American Republic here, which makes me wonder if it's not a collection of states anymore. (laughs) But it's just a habit. Maybe it's not. I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's hard to tell. So Kai says he he has not forgotten the horrible men that he saw with protruding fangs and enormous claws and hunched shoulders and a fine layer of fur up their broad arms. And the men who are attacking all over earth were vicious and wild and brutal, but they were still only men. Kai suspected they were just the precursor to what Lavana's beast army could become. So the men that we saw the images that the American Republic shared with Kai and the other earthen leaders um, is, is not the same as who's attacking earth, which means there's another army on Luna ready to go. Yeah. So Kai comes to a really difficult decision. He knows what he's going to have to do. He says, Torin, can you, can you give me a minute here? And Torin is kind of like, uh, you, you want, want me, me to leave? leave? <laughs> you want me? Like, you already left. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Kai says they had all aged unfairly this week. But Torin, Torin kind of clicks together, and he figures out what he's going to do. He figures out what Kai's plan is. He says, don't you want to talk about this? I can guide you. I can offer you guidance. Let me help you. That is what he's there for. I mean, he is yeah. his advisor. Yeah, let me guide you. His lit- the literal name of his job is advisor right? <laughs> to the emperor of but, the Eastern Commonwealth. Right. But Kai says that he can't. 
I can't stand here safe in this palace and not do anything. I can't let her kill anyone else. Not with these monsters. Not by withholding the Letimosis antidote. Not by whatever she has planned next. We both know what she wants. We both know what will stop this. It's not a good choice for the Commonwealth. It may be the only choice, but it will never be a good one. Yeah. So Torin leaves. He's not very happy about it, but he leaves. Kai starts pacing the room. He's anxious. He says he may never experience a full night of sleep again. I really would like to applaud Kai here, though, because after he says it may not be the only choice, uh, it may be the only choice, but it will never be a good choice. Um, He says the Commonwealth should not be able to blame anyone but me. Please go. And that just kind of reminds you that, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who um, who the leader is, like, or what kind of um, notes or advice, advisement he gets from his cabinet and or um, chief of staff or whoever um, the person is that's closest to him is that it's always going to come back to it was him or her or whoever the leader is it always comes back to they're going to put the blame on the leader yes Um, not on whoever not the administration right right Um, and so that's something that like i really applaud Kai for pointing for basically pointing out because I mean he has the knowledge to see that it's going to be no matter what happens it's going to fall on him on his Mm -hmm. shoulder as the leader I mean the kid is 18 years old that's like that's like wisdom beyond his years to kind of already know that that's I mean yes I mean, well, okay, I, yes, but at the same time, he's the emperor. He's probably been—he's probably been training for this job his whole life. I was—I was just gonna say he's been, probably being been being groomed for this his entire life. Yes. I mean, but also like he is still a kid. I'm not trying to say that like he shouldn't be applauded for this decision, but right. He's not a normal 18-year-old who had no preparation and then was just, like, told, you're in charge. He has been preparing for this his whole life, which I think is why he's handled being an emperor so well, despite the fact that it's only been, like, two and a half days since his coronation. Yeah. And maybe a week since his dad died. Well, and, and I mean, the really, the only reason that I'm saying, like, let's applaud him, he is an 18-year-old kid, is because... I don't think it was ever his plan or his idea to become emperor this soon or in this way. He thought, you know, he would have a lot more years to prepare for this because, I mean, it's kind of a freak, you know, it's it's a freak accident that, you know, his father caught this disease, died, and then all of a sudden now Kai has to take on the throne. I mean, whether he was preparing for it or not, which he was, but I mean, 
just knowing that that takes an amazing amount of like getting your together. It's a very self-aware moment for him as a leader to be able, it's very, he's very transparent here. So Torin leaves and Kai sort of, he's sort of having like a pep talk with himself and he thinks about, of course, Cinder In his frenzied thoughts. He couldn't help thinking of Cinder at the ball. How happy he'd been to see her descending the stairs into the ballroom. How innocently amused he'd been at her rain-drenched hair and wrinkled dress. Thinking it was a fitting look for the city's most renowned mechanic. He thought she must be immune to society's whims of fashion and decorum. So comfortable in her own skin that she could come to a royal ball as the emperor's own guest with messy hair and oil stains on her gloves and keep her head high as she did so. That was before he knew that she'd rush to the ball to give him a warning. Her warning, if you have forgotten, was that if he married Queen Levana, she would kill him. And so Kai says, Cinder sacrificed her own safety to warn him. And this is his way. He says he has to stop these murders. He has to stop the war. Cinder was not the only one capable of sacrificing herself for something greater. So Kai calls the predator. And something that I really love is that, is that when he's talking about Cinder, when he's talking about her, he says, you know, it was very fitting. Like the way that she showed up, it's very fitting. It's just, it's who she is. And that he like, he doesn't say he loves her, but like he says that, you know, it's fitting and it makes so much sense. He sees her just the way she is as a renowned mechanic. Like he doesn't see her as a cyborg or as a lunar or as princess Celine. Like he sees her to as be fair. He didn't find out that she was cyborg or lunar until the ball. And he doesn't know that she's princess Celine. So of course he doesn't see her as princess Celine. I mean, yeah, but, like, just to see her, like, him kind of come to that realization to, like, see that he admires her. Because this is really our first glimpse at, like, how how he felt at the ball. Right. Yeah. 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 And so just to see that, like, the way that he's describing her kind of, like, like, foreshadows what she's feeling on her side of things, but like she also won't admit that she's feeling those things. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that what stood out to me was him being innocently amused and that yeah. he was happy to see her. So the last, we don't really get to know Kai's inner feelings about the ball. We know that he picked up the foot. We know that he looked horrified and disgusted, according to Cinder's perspective. We know that he said, you're even more painful to look at than she is. But this is our first sort of visual from his point of view of how he actually felt seeing Cinder arrive at the ball. And he was happy to see her and amused at how she looked like the renowned mechanic that she is and not you know, all fashion and decorum for the royal ball. She was just her. Yeah. 
And I agree with you. It's it's a moment where you can see that he really did and maybe still does. We don't really know. Um, but he really did like Cinder for who she was prior to learning about the lunar and the cyborg. And I don't think he really gives a shit about the cyborg. It's all about the lunar aspect. That element right. is what really gets to him. I mean, he kind of proved that when he said in the press conference, I don't see how her being cyborg is relevant. Exactly, which is the beautiful quote from this week's fan art. So he says, Cinder is not the only one who can make sacrifices. He calls the predator up. He imagines that she's old and haggard under her her veil, which I love. I mean, I feel like she's kind of made herself that way because in his eyes, he just sees her as like basically an old hag who's ruining his life. Yeah, well, <laughs> she is an old hag that's ruining his life. So Kai sensed that she'd been listening and waiting for his call. He sensed that she was smirking under her veil. And she says, my dear Emperor Kaito, what a pleasant surprise. It must be quite late in New Beijing, about two hours and 24 minutes past midnight. Is that correct? And I wrote in my notes, insert gag. So it's 2.30 in the morning. Kai says, I beg you, please stop the attacks. Call off your soldiers. You beg me. How delightful. Do go on. And he says, innocent people are dying. Women, children, bystanders. I get it. You won. Stop. She's such a little She goes, I've won. What is my prize? (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you need a prize? Do you need a prize? Do you need a participation ribbon? I mean, I feel like she is just, like, rubbing it in that, like, she basically threatened that this was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Came through on her threat, and she devastated the whole Earth and Union in her attacks. Um, what I do uh, really love is that um, she then goes on, like, he's like, just stop it. Just stop it now. I don't even care. Like, just stop it. But then she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I will call off my men when you've captured the cyborg. And not only that, but if you're not going to cooperate or bargain, then toodles, like... Peace. Yeah. Bye. Goes, Until then. I'm good night. Yeah. Yeah. And for everything that like I hate about Lavana, she does know when to shut up and leave somebody hanging. Like she doesn't just keep going on. She's very calculated. She's very conniving. Strategic. Um, strategic. Um, and just the fact that she was willing to just be like, okay, good night. She's the man. I mean, she's the man. She's she. That's who she is in this situation. So Kai says, wait, I can't give you the girl. But I also can't let you murder people. So I have something else I can offer you. And we both know what that is. And here here she tries to play dumb. I'm sure I don't know what you speak of. I'm sure you do. Right. Oh, my God. 
whatever could this thing that we both know. I'm so tired of her. (laughs) Just the way that she's so coy yet so condescending just irks me on and and grinds my last gear. Oh, yeah. So Kai says, if your offer of a marriage alliance still stands, I accept. Your prize for calling off your men will be the Eastern Commonwealth. And Lavana says, my dear emperor, how could I refuse? How could I resist such a charming proposal? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of chapter 43. We're at like almost an hour now. So that is why this episode is only one chapter long. (laughs) part of it is I'm gonna have to edit out like 40 minutes of Ruth spoilers (laughs) but I am I am the the scarlet letter okay (laughs) um so yeah Kai is gonna marry Queen Lavana so my um my last note that I have is charming that's what she calls charming a proposal that she's already told him that if he doesn't accept, she's going to continue to kill people. And well, I think that she's called, being facetious I mean, there. I mean, obviously, but like <laughs> just, just the use of the word charming, like it's like, it's kind of like the last string for Lavana in like this, like, page and a half that she's been oh see I thought of it as like a as like a as like a Cinderella thing because you know Cinder Cinderella in Cinderella the prince's name is literally Prince Charming yeah and so this is the prince from the Cinderella story this emperor Kaito so I was thinking Prince Charming Yeah. yeah so that was where I was making that connection I mean I guess that makes sense. That that makes sense from a fairy tale retelling. So anyways, chapter titles. Uh, I came up with two. The Funeral by Band of Horses, um, which I picked for multiple reasons. One, I really like that song. If you go listen to it, it's got a good like beat to it. Um, but I like that song for this chapter because... It's kind of, it's the funeral for all the people that have been murdered and attacked. It's also the end of Kai as an innocent and new leader. Um, But I also picked what I think is probably better, which is Broken Man by Boys Like Girls. And some of the lyrics are, I won't let you bring me down, standing and being a broken man. Just just listen to the song Broken Man by Boys Like Girls. I think that it's a good representation of how Kai is feeling right now. Kai is standing there. He has given up everything. And now he's giving up even more. I can't imagine what he's going through right now. But some of the words I think that stuck out to me is like, I want to run. I want to take back all the shit that I've done. But it's, it's mostly just like he's a broken man. This The situation with Earth being attacked, the situation with the Eastern Commonwealth being attacked, and the situation with him having to sacrifice his himself because he knows he's going to die now. He's left there with nothing. He's just a broken man. That's all that's left. Right. In a very roundabout way of explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I went in circles, but I got there. 
Well, so for my song title, I did um, The Rest Is Up To You by Reliant K. So what I really love about this song, um, I've known this song for forever. Grew up listening to this band. Um, But the lyrics go, I was just about to quote Mark Twain when I realized that it was all in vain. A twist of fate, a twisted look of pain to defeat the wheat, go against the grain. Um, And then the chorus is, um, I know what you've been through, but there's only only so much one can do. Now the rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. Um, And I just kind of feel like it's kind of like if this were set to mute, if this chapter were set to music, that Mm -hmm. it would kind of like it would maybe be like an instrumental version of that song like just because it it seems so it's so relevant for what Kai is going through like he's having this struggle about what he's going to do as the emperor of a nation and he knows that like basically it at the end of the day like it's up to him it's only going to be on his shoulders, whatever happens, um, which is probably one of the reasons why I like so much that he says that, like, he's the only one that the people of the Commonwealth should be able to place the blame on. Right. Uh, because he realizes that at the end of the day, that's where the responsibility lies. Right. And so and even I mean, to go even further, like into the song, it says this speech is merely words that it's even worse because it rhymes. Um, (laughs) Give me a minute of your time. Um, I can't make this click. I can't tattoo your mind, but you know, this ain't no trick. Take it or leave it all behind. Yeah. Um, And then the chorus again. Um, Do you want to talk about your quote? So it's on, it's right before he tells Torin to leave. Um, I closed my book, so I'm going back to it. It's page um, 417. Oh, thank you. Thank you, love. <laughs> <laughs> so I have um, to know the page numbers for copyright so I don't get sued by Marissa. Please don't oh, sue me. Yes, we don't want that. We don't no. want to be sued. So it's the second paragraph on page 417. Um, and it says, I can't stand here in this safe in this palace and not do anything. I can't let her kill anyone else. Not with these monsters, not by withholding the Lenamosis antidote, not by whatever she has planned next. We both know what she wants. We both know what will stop this. Um, and I, I mean, I like it for multiple reasons. Um, this I would like to say that um, this is the third episode I'm on and the Patreon members have still failed me because I have yet to have one of my chapter titles picked. For <laughs> the for the chapter. Is that true? So I'm very disappointed. Yes. <laughs> always pick I didn't realize that. And not mine. <laughs> I'm not at all. But this I would like this to be my last concession for this (laughs) title to be the rest is up to you because my quote ties into it i just (laughs) this song basically defines the entire chapter that we just spoke about see but i think that about my song i think that about my song um (laughs) 
happen. <laughs> what's, what's funny about that, though, is that no one on Patreon knows who picked what song title until the episode comes out. So, like, they've already, at this point in time, they've already voted, but this episode hasn't been released and won't be released for another week. <laughs> right. Which, but which, which is even, like, which is even funnier to me. Like, that's why I'm not, like, like super serious about, like, being, like, you always, your quotes always get picked or whatever. Like, I'm not bitter about it. I just think it's so funny that no matter what, I always, <laughs> I always seem to come up on the short end. You'll have to think of some really good ones for Crest then. Um, I will <laughs> say this. What I have noticed, whether I pick it or a guest picks it, if it's a Taylor Swift song, it almost always wins. Oh, yes. I will. I've I noticed will, that. I mean, Even if I don't pick it, if it's a Taylor Swift song, it gets a lot of votes. Because everybody loves Tay-Tay. I mean, yes. <laughs> but, so I will say that, like, the way that I kind of pick my song titles is more of, okay, I just finished reading this chapter. And if I was going, like, if the perfect song were to play right now, that would make me be like, that is exactly what just like what I feel like just happened in that would like encompass the chapter. That's kind of where I go with my song. I don't go super specific except for wanted dead or alive. I feel like, which I'm looking up right now because I'm pretty sure that one won. Um, You're over here upset that you've never won. And I'm pretty sure (laughs) I'm pretty sure Wanted Dead or Alive was the one that won. So I'm checking the Patreon right now. And <laughs> Wanted Dead or Alive got four votes. Uh, yeah, you won that one. I did not okay. win that one. You did. See, I, I didn't. I had, you, I had picked It's Dangerous Business Walking Out Your Front Door by Under Oath. And you had picked Wanted Dead or Alive. And I got one vote. Yours <laughs> got the rest of them. So... There's no need to be upset <laughs> uh, because you are you are fine. I will say at the time of recording that I haven't listened to last week's episode yet. So I wouldn't, I mean, I am a Patreon episode, uh, member. So yes, like you could just scroll. Right. You but, could just look at it. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't look at it. Right. And, I haven't looked at it and I haven't listened to the episode where you guys announced the previous chapters yet. Okay. Uh, so well, you did, you did win that one. I will say that, but also, um, I'm also going to contend for this chapter. I I've, I've made, I've made my, my arguments and. And that's uh, how we can do. I mean, I pick my <laughs> chapter titles based off of very different things. Sometimes it's like, I'll think of a song while I'm reading a specific paragraph. Sometimes I'll get to the end of the chapter and I'll feel like a specific vibe. And so I'll try to go off of that. Most of the time it's something will happen in the chapter that makes me think of a song lyric. And mm-hmm. then I, I generate off of that. Um, like with Graham, like with her saying you're everything to me to her grandmother automatically made me think of that a song. I would get yeah. everything I own. So, yeah. And it's not a competition because either way, <laughs> either way, we got to talk about our song choices and why we liked them. 
and we can still you can still title it that for yourself I mean you own a book right yeah you could you could write it in there if you want you could make a, a playlist for yourself of all the songs you pick you could even like put scarlet book titles and then in parentheses it can say like spoiler queen <laughs> and that'll be like your spotify playlist for scarlet and then i can share with the patreon and be like if you want the spoiler <laughs> titles that's what these are <laughs> not the ones that everybody else not the ones that you guys picked the ones that i think you should have picked <laughs> So that is the end of chapter 43. It is also the end of this episode, episode 56. There was one glove and six Easter eggs. So we're going to have to go back and take a look at those, you guys. Next week will be chapters 44 and 45. Don't forget, you can check out merch and the Patreon. Rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, all the social media. And don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. And stay safe out there. Yes. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was spoiler queen Ruth Redmond. The logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. <laughs>